Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. Welcome in. Episode 3, Yards and Stripes are home for Service Academy Football. Joined tonight, as always, by Mike Lovell, Steve Carney, and I am Price Atkinson. We're going to bring you everything you need to know that happened last weekend. Three games to get you ready for what's coming up this weekend. We got a lot to talk about this week, guys. Uh, some news and notes to pass along. We got our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment. Let you guys know next week we'll have Army Head Coach Jeff Munkin with us. But before we get out of the gate, I want to tell all our listeners and our friends from the Service Academy football world, guys, with the college football season now fully underway, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. Did you know that BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for more than 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? Well, you know what? We want you to go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have for you with our show here at Yards and Stripes and the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Let me explain, folks. Put 100 bucks in, get an additional 125 to play with. 200 bucks initially deposited gets you 250 and so on. It's that easy. BetUS also has the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason, and coming up this fall, the NBA, as well as almost any sport you can think of or wager on. Regardless of the sport, we want you to be with us all season long at BetUS.com. Check them out, BetUS.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid, courtesy of Yards and Stripes and the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Gentlemen, before we get going, you know, 9-11, we all, I know we all stopped, paused, honored this weekend, wherever we were, you know, whatever we were doing on Sunday. Um, you know, it, I think when obviously with these three teams, it just kind of comes with the territory. Uh, so many layers of 9-11 you know, affecting all three of the service academies. You know, I, you know, I know we all know what we were doing on 9-11, but, you know, taking the time to pause, uh, you know, on, kind of was a little bit different on a Sunday. You know, it kind of feels like it, it not that it, the holiday or not that the not holiday, but the day comes and goes a little bit differently with things going on. But, you know, I know I still sat there on, on Sunday morning about 930, just thinking about that just tragic day and just how far we've come since. Certainly, and like you mentioned, you know, with with the with the players at the service academies, it's it's a little bit different. Hits home a little bit differently. Instead of reflecting on on how the nation has changed, you reflect on how your peers and your profession, the profession that you're going to join, has changed in the in the last uh, 21 years. So yeah, it's a little bit different, and it was always uh, it was good to remember that going into the games on Saturday. And I think the NFL did a good job yesterday mm-hmm. uh, on their remembrance activities. Uh, thanks for bringing up that price. Yeah, and for me, for me, Price, it really makes me. Uh, it it kind of blows my imagination that we're we're at the point now where it is more likely that the players that were in those three games uh, over the weekend mm-hmm. weren't born at the yeah. time of the nine eleven attacks. You think about it; that was twenty one years ago, and you would think that 
probably a good chunk, if not almost all of those players uh, weren't around at, at that time. Mm-hmm. So, so for, for them to be able to, and I'm sure that, you know, the coaching staff and the, you know, the athletic departments, and of course, just the fact that they are in the service academies, you know, they, they understand the historical significance and what went on, on that, on that September uh, morning. And uh, I, I, I know that, you know, there were, there were points uh, throughout the day when it was, you know, dreary and overcast throughout the Mm -hmm. country, especially here in Florida. But I I woke up on Saturday morning and it was bright blue skies and it took me right back to that morning in 2001 because it was just a bright, sunny morning and, and, and all the potential in the world was, uh, was there that morning. And I felt that same potential uh, on sun on, on Saturday when, or uh, excuse me, on Sunday when, uh, when they, when we got going with what we were doing, it really brings you back. Whenever I see mm-hmm. a bright, sunny day uh, in in September, it always takes me back to September 11th. Yeah, all three academies playing at home and doing a great job with recognition and remembrance, you know, on Saturday. Um, guys, let's get to it. Uh, let's get to what we came here for, and that's for the games. You know, that's uh, three games, as I just mentioned, all three teams. You know, playing at home on Saturday, let's start up at West Point where the day began. The Army Black Knights hosting UTSA, Texas San Antonio, the Red Roadrunners coming in after an overtime loss to Houston in week one. Well, it was another overtime game on Saturday, but this time the Roadrunners come out on top 41 to 38 in overtime. Army dropping to 0-2. UTSA now one in one on the season. Mike, a shootout at West Point where it looked like Army was trying to flip the script and maybe become the nation's most, you know, highest, you know, most potent offensive team and through the air for most of the afternoon. It kind of settled down a little bit, but it was something quite, you know, the spectacle. I had a couple of West Point guys, you know, that text me uh, later on Saturday night saying, first of all, what are we trying doing trying to air the ball out? Number two, this is a very uncharacteristic looking Army team with miscues and just fumbles, turnovers. Yeah, 14 years since Army's posted 300 passing yards in a game, uh, 304 for the game. But I think I, I think you're absolutely right, Price. I think Army fans have to be a little bit disappointed in the first two games of the season. I wrote about this before the season starts at, at Last Word on Sports, my my website. Yeah, you know, if Army wants to be taken seriously, uh, you know, a lot of Army people uh, kind of hesitate and complain when they win nine, ten games in a season. They don't get ranked in the top 25. Army traditionally has a, a fairly weak strength of schedule. This is probably the toughest schedule they've had in mm-hmm. five or six years since Jeff Munkin's been there, quite honestly. And it's still not a terribly hard schedule. But with Coastal Carolina, Wake Forest, UTSA, Air Force, it, it's a it's a decent it's it's a it's a good schedule for Army, a decent schedule nationally. They really had a chance to make a statement with this schedule and make a statement, particularly with the first two games, they let both games get away, particularly this game, two 15 yard penalties in the second half on the offensive line that killed the drive, a fumble that killed the drive. And then of course the backbreaker up by two scores, muffing the punt inside the UTSA three uh, army fans have to be disappointed with a, a good game at coastal Carolina could have had that one, let it led in the second half, let it go away, led by two touchdowns late in third quarter against UTSA, another team coming off 
a conference championship, conference USA championship. Could have really made a statement, could have made up for last week, could have set the tone, and they let it slip away again. Like you said, with uncharacteristic mistakes, penalties on the offensive line, uh, fumble uh, by the running back, and, of course, the muff punt. And that really allowed UTSA to get in. UTSA, I, I'm not sure a lot of people understand this, UTSA had some travel difficulties getting to West Point, didn't have a walkthrough, wasn't able to execute their normal schedule the morning of. So they, they basically got in to the hotel late, immediately went to sleep, got up, and had to get to Mikey Stadium. The visiting teams actually stay about an hour away from Mikey Stadium. It's, it's a little bit of a logistical nightmare, which is one yeah. of the reasons why Army had won every home game for like three straight years because it's, it's a little bit of a logistical nightmare for the away team. So Army had them right where they wanted them. And you, you thought they're late in the third quarter, uh, two minutes to go. Army was about to get the ball back with two-touchdown lead. You thought Army was just, just going to do one of those – uh, patented Army eight-minute drives and just and just uh, you know suck the life out of UTSA. They must have punt right inside the two, and that was uh, that was UTSA's chance to come back. So you know, kind of unique with the passing yards, but the Army fans have to be disappointed with this 0-2 start. You got to feel like you definitely let this game away, and you probably could have uh, closed on Coastal Carolina again. Defense gave up 512 yards, and the offense, just like we said last week, the offensive play calling just looks out of sync. It just there's just something that's not clicking right like it has for the past five years. Steve, Jeff Munkin said after the game, quote, we threw the ball for a bunch of yards. Who cares? We don't win that way. We win by running the ball and stopping the run. We didn't do that or do it consistently, end quote. I, that says it all. Yeah, it, it really does, Price. And, and you look early on, I thought Army played Army football. They stopped UTSA on the first drive on downs, but then end up turning it over themselves on downs. They weren't able to get anything going after the, after the defensive stop in the first, uh, the, the first drive of, of the game. And I, I certainly thought that, you know, if you were able to stop them and then do what Jeff Monk had said, run the football effectively, you were going to find yourself in, in really good shape. And let's face it, the Black Knights are lucky that they got to overtime. UTSA had a field goal opportunity late in the game uh, as time, uh, it basically expired and missed the field goal. And so that, that should have been, you know, that could have been a 38 35 final in regulation. And I, I really think that they did not do, as you said, and as coach Bunkin said, he did, they didn't run the football. They didn't stop the run. And when you're not doing that, when you're army, you're finding yourself in big trouble, which is what happened. We know that the triple option starts with the quarterback, but the fullback, the dive is the other almost like kind of one B, you know, if you will, to the triple option with the quarterback keeper and the quarterback pulling strings at one A. Through two games a season, Army fullbacks have combined for just 99 yards on 39 carries. That's two and a half yards a carry. Their longest run from scrimmage is nine yards. That's incredible. When you think of Army and big plays, triple option, even um, honestly, look, we, Army's had big plays this year. They just haven't been through the ground or at least through the fullback. That's really incredible when you think about it, guys, with how explosive this offense is. And let's just I mean, call it what it is. They weren't exactly going up against some of the nation's best defenses. I, something is going on. They've got to find a way to get this thing clicking, Mike. Price, you know what the stat of the day for the Army game was? You, you know when I knew that, that Army was in trouble? Jacoby Buchanan had a carry for a loss of yardage. That was his yeah. first in his career. 
Uh, so that, that was an incredible streak and an incredible stat that was broken uh, with Jacoby Buchanan. Of course, he also later had the fumble uh, that, that uh, gave UTSA the ball in Army territory. But you're right. I think I think teams have figured out what they're doing is they're taking their two defensive tackles and they're stunting inside, both stunting inside instead of instead of both going Roger or both going Larry. They're both stunting inside. Teams are selling out and they're going to make Army beat them other than with the fullback dive up the middle. Uh, yep. It worked It worked much better for Coastal Carolina. Uh, the mistakes really killed Army on this one. They, they could have uh, won the game against UTSA. Uh, they, they did a good job taking advantage of that. They had, man, they had man coverage in the secondary all game. Cade Ballard was able to throw the ball effectively when they chose to. And they were able to get some momentum on the outside. Uh, but, but because they didn't have that presence inside, they weren't able to convert a couple of key short uh i'm sorry a couple key third down and short yardage situations which is uh odd for army but but you're right they've got to get that click in they've got to figure out some way uh to 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 counter uh teams selling out to stop the fullback dive yeah and after army led at the half 21 14 and then scored the first touchdown of the second half it was the frank harris show pretty much from there right guys i mean 17 to 21, 194 and two touchdowns in the second half. A lot of the stuff he, that they were that he was getting was underneath. They, you know, Army wasn't really giving up anything vertically or really far down the field. I, I don't know how much of a factor it was, but I think Army secondary is starting to get a little bit banged up. I mean, they're the quarterback of their of their secondary, you know, senior safety Markel Broughton. I think he got hurt early in the game, came back in. I believe he got hurt again in overtime and went back off. I mean, we talk about Andre Carter, who had two sacks and who everybody knows how, you know, the accolades and, you know, the attention he's going to garner. But Markel Broughton in the back end of, of that defense is almost just as critical. And with a, a secondary that's getting a little bit banged up and possibly losing him, we don't know yet. That could be a big loss. I don't know how much of a factor that had in the game, but whatever six-year senior Frank Harris did, he found something that worked to the tune of, what was it 359 yards and three touchdowns for the game? No interceptions. Well, Price, that speaks to the Razor's edge that Army football lives on. Frank yeah. Harris missed a couple deep throws early in the first quarter. When that happens, you could tell UTSA was off early in the game. They, Frank Harris got into his rhythm in the second half. But when that happens, Army has to take advantage of that and has to get that running game established to get that two-possession lead so they can weather a guy like Frank Harris finally getting warm and hitting those deep passes. Like you said, he he really uh, bled the Army defense with with the intermediate underneath throws. Uh, I think UTSA was hesitant to go deep. He had missed a couple deep ones early that were wide open. But that that's, again, when we talk about Army fans being disappointed, when you get a team like that, if you can get the running game going, you get a two-score lead, you should be able to weather anything the other offense comes at you because you can move the ball down the field. Again, Army disappointed, uh, could not close the deal. Yeah, and UTSA, UTSA price uh, to to that same effect. You know, they did a good job of of limiting their mistakes. Uh, you know, you mentioned some of the some of the misthrows down the field, but they they also did not. You know, they they did a good job of holding onto the football uh, in the second half. You you didn't see a whole lot of uh, of dumb mistakes by the by the Roadrunners offense in that second half. And when when uh, your army and you're going up against a team like UTSA, you've got to capitalize on mistakes that they make. But if they don't make any mistakes, it's really hard to capitalize. They did exactly what a, a road team has to do against a good opponent. They stayed in the game. They hung in there until the last quarter, and then they were able to take advantage of that. Sorry, Price, go ahead. And, and, and an army offense has got to act like 
kind of the extension of its defense. And when you can't convert on third down, I mean, UTSA was 11 to 15 on third down and Army was just seven to 16. That's what made up for just a four minute differential Army in time of possession. And usually you're seeing Army with the ball a lot of times 10 minutes plus, you know, against, uh, you know, teams are going to go up against, especially quick strike passing offenses like UTSA. But UTSA did a pretty good job of control. Like I said, a lot of underneath throws and they just kept moving the chains with, you know, some short third downs and bam, that was all she wrote. All right, guys, let's move ahead. Let's go up to Annapolis. Second game of the day, the Navy midshipmen hosting Memphis in the AAC opener. Navy looking a little bit better on offense, thought there was some improvement, but the Memphis Tigers, they go wire to wire. They jump out to a lead and they don't look back as Memphis beats Navy 37 to 13. Memphis now one and one overall. Navy 0 and 2, still looking for that first win. Uh, maybe the play of the game, you know, Navy kind of hanging in there. They were down 13 to 7, um, but a 79 yard, yard touchdown pass by Seth Hannigan, the quarterback for Memphis. 79 yards to Joseph Skates, got behind Navy's defense, caught it in stride untouched to the end zone that put Memphis up 20 to seven with 1156 left in the third. That's as close as it was. It was all afternoon. Yeah. And, and you saw from Navy, uh, their big, uh, their big issue. And that is being able to hang in the secondary. We talked about this, uh, the first week of the season when, when we were previewing the, the question was going to be, could they get enough pressure on the quarterback to allow the secondary to not get exposed. And unfortunately, we've seen it now two weeks in a row, uh, not so much uh, against Delaware, but we saw it a lot here against the Tigers that they weren't able to get pressure on Memphis's quarterback and it left their secondary to hang out to hang out to dry. And he ends up throwing for 415 yards in that in that case. We talked about Army fans being disappointed because Army couldn't close two close games. Navy fans are disappointed because they really haven't been in either one of these no. games. Even yeah. even the one score game against FCS Delaware, you really never there was really never a point in that game where you thought Navy was going to come back and win that. Look, I'll be quite honest with you. Memphis looked a lot like UTSA. Uh, they're, they're not a team that travels particularly well. They looked a little bit sluggish on an early Saturday mm-hmm. kickoff. But the, the Memphis team that Navy lost to, uh, by 24 points was not uh, was not was not a steamroller coming in there doing Annapolis. Uh, I, I Navy had a little bit of success on the running on the edges. They didn't go back to that a lot. Uh, they, they went to it every now and then. And they, they would have success and they would come right right back into the middle. And they weren't having much like you talked about Price with Army. They they weren't having the normal success they have with a fullback dive. So a, a lot of I, I gotta think there's a lot of concern. We talked about this last week. I gotta think there's a lot of concern at Navy. Navy. It, it just seems it just seems like their offensive game plan is is stale. It's lost. It's it's not in concert. It's not synchronized. There's just something clearly off with the Navy offense. And like uh, Steve Steve talked about, defense just got shredded by Memphis's passing attack. Yeah, you know, the, this bye week could not come at a better time. I mean, you, I don't know many coaches that really ever want a bye week, the third week of the season. You know, usually you want that one to be somewhere midway, October, maybe early November, just to, kind of, you know, heal your wounds, bruises a little bit. I don't think there's any question that this bye week comes at the absolute perfect time for Coach Niamatololo and this and this Navy staff to try and figure this stuff out. They've got to figure something out. I don't know if it's a quarterback change. I don't know if it's 
position. I, I don't know exactly what they need to – they've got to do something on offense to get it clicking because the defense, they just can't continue to bear the brunt of this. They did have four sacks uh, in the game against uh, Memphis, but, I mean, giving up 415 yards uh, through the air – and, and let's just put it this way, too. It wasn't like that these were, you know, that he threw it 50, 60 times. He completed 24 passes, guys. That was basically 12 yards of completion. You've got to find a way to get off the field on defense. But this Navy offense has got to help them out. They've got to move the football. And they cannot do that right now with the quarterback or with the fullback. And on top of that, uh, Mike uh, and Price, I, I think you look at the, the uh, turnover ratio as well. You know, Navy has committed yes. six turnovers and they have yes. one takeaway in the first two games that that that's unacceptable as well. Uh, you know, you're you're setting up your defense to fail when you're given uh, an opposing offense a short field. Yep. Price, the good news is they have a bye this week. The bad news is it's not going to get much easier. They go to East Carolina the week after the bye. East Carolina gave NC State all they could handle in game one of the week. And then the week after that, they travel to Colorado Springs and face a really good Air Force team. So the good news is they got a bye. The bad news is it's not getting any easier coming out of the bye, at least for two weeks. Yeah, we talked about this early. We talked about it on the very first episode that if maybe they need to get out to a good start, they got to have some success taste of victory, get some momentum, because the back end of the schedule, especially November, is absolutely brutal. All right, guys, let's uh, let's move over to Colorado Springs. Let's move out west. Air Force hosting Colorado for the first time since 1974 in the Springs. 33,647 came out to watch this one in the rain. What a ball game. Army Air Force takes a little bit of time to get going. They finally rev things up in the third quarter. I mean, you, rain, nasty weather. It's going to account for some turnovers, and it did six total turnovers. But uh, Air Force shakes loose the buffs in the third quarter. Brad Roberts, 174 yards and three touchdowns, 41 to 10 as Air Force sends Colorado back to Boulder. 0-2. The Falcons now 2-0 receiving votes in the coaches' poll. I know, I think they check in at number 29 now. A statement win by the Falcons. Yeah, uh, Price, and again, this was another game where Air Force scored in the first minute of the game, just like last week, and it, it was another game where you, you never thought Colorado was in this game. Air Force took control early. Uh, Brad Roberts with 174 yards on the ground, three touchdowns, just absolutely taking control. Uh, doing what he does. Air Force is clicking on all cylinders. You'd like to, you know, if you're Colorado, you'd like to blame the rain on a poor performance. But guess what? The other team, the team that just beat you by 31 points, they were playing in the exact same rain that yep. you were playing in. So yeah, I got it. Colorado is not a very good power five team. Uh, you know, Carl Durrell is probably much shorter <laughs> than Kenny and Matalolo. Uh, probably, you know, I, I would coming into the week, I would tell you that Carl Durrell might actually be shorter than Scott Frost. Obviously that turned out to be not correct, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, Colorado did not look good, but still that that's still a power five program out of the PAC 12, the air force went up against and absolutely yeah. dominated. I yeah. mean, if you watch that game, there was never a point in that game when you thought Colorado was in the game. Tennessee transfer JT Shroud had 51 yards in the air, five for 21. He was less than 25% completion percentage. That is historically bad. Uh, I think they had just over 100. They had 111, 111 yards rushing. So they had a total of 162 yards of total offense. I got it. The weather was bad, but the same, the team, the other team playing in the rain had 
443 yards of total offense. So you, you, you can't blame the rain. If you do, that's that's on the coaches. Steve, your defense only if your Army, you're feeding off an incredible crowd, an incredible environment in the rain. I mean, Colorado had not been there since 74. I, I said on last week's show that Colorado had won the last meeting in 2019. I was, I was incorrect. A listener corrected me on that. Air Force has won two in a row now. But that defense feeding off that crowd, well, we know on, uh, the Air Force offense was good. They helped, like Mike just mentioned, 162 yards was all that Colorado got. Eight first downs, Steve. Yeah, only eight first downs. And the Buffaloes were one for 11 on third down. So you could tell that once they got into situations where it was going to be, hey, we need we need a big play in order to move the sticks. They weren't able to put it. They weren't able to put it together. And, and I, I look looking at some of the things that that went through. Uh, you mentioned five for 21 uh, through the air, only 51 yards passing for a for a team that does not run the yeah. option. And yes, yes, I know Air Force had exactly eight yards passing in this <laughs> game, but that's because they are the number one team in the country running the football and they don't throw the football to, to have what is supposed to be a balanced F, uh, a balanced offensive output like you would in a power five conference like Colorado has and, and to go out there and lay a complete egg. Yes, it's, it was it was raining, but hey, you've got to be able to move the football like the Falcons did. And they were able to, as Mike put it, you know, there was no time that that game ever felt like it was in, in, in any sort of contention. That, that When you get out to a 20 to nothing second, uh, second quarter lead and then are able to coast from there, even though you turn the ball over three times, granted mm-hmm. one of them was a punt that went over the head of the punter. I get that. Um, I, I think that they were, they just showed that they are, you know, that I, I think I still think they're the team to beat in the Mountain West. I, I agree with that. I, I think that they might be that they the, the team from everything that we've seen so far. The sample size is pretty small. Um, the Falcons now 30 and four in non-conference home games under Troy Calhoun, two straight over CU. Here's the question I've got for you guys. What is the over under where they played two games? We know they got 10 more regular season games. What is the over under on the number of times Air Force this season? will not have a single passing yard or passing attempt. I'll give you either one because I think last year it happened at least twice. I would say one and a half might be the over-under if you're going to bet it right now if we had to set the line. I guarantee you because, like you just said, Steve, the way they run the football, the nation's best on the ground, there's going to come a couple games this year where they either don't attempt to pass or if they do, they don't have a single passing yard in the entire game. It's going to happen again. I'd take the under. I think Air Force thinks they're a legitimate top 25 team in the nation, and I think they are. And, you know, I think they want to put that on film. I think they want to show teams that they can pass if they have to. So if you're setting it, you're setting it at 1.5 games where they don't have a single passing yard, I'll take the under over that. I'll take the under on that. All right. I, would, I, will, of, as well, I will as well. Uh, there you go. I, I certainly think that. Uh, there will be games when they have, say, under 10 yards passing, much like yeah. they did this past week. But I don't think I, – I think the number of times that they have zero passing yards the rest of this year is zero games. Before we get to our game balls, a quote from Brad, uh, Brad Roberts, who ran for a game high, 24 carries, 174 and three touchdowns. He said after the game, quote, I'm trying to make the fullback hip again. I love being a fullback, especially the way we run our fullbacks in this offense. It's awesome. End quote. 
And I thought it was awesome how Air Force played again, 41 to 10 over Colorado. When we come back, we got to give out some game balls. We got to tell you about our friends at Ticket Smart. We got our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll segment. We got some note, news and notes to kind of pass along to you here before, before we get out the door. And we got to preview our two games coming up this weekend. Don't go anywhere. We got a lot more coming to you here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football that you can download, listen, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcast every single week. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. We got to give out some game balls from our standout performances of the weekend before we do that. Mike, tell us about Ticket Smart. Football fans, we know that with the season cranked back up, you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices, and we want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust, and Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They've also partnered with ESPN Events as the official ticket resale partner for ESPN Events. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with a Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Take 5% off of your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just for one-time use. Nope. You can use that code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter. And remember our code, GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. You heard the man, Ticket Smarter. Hit them up today. All right, we got to give out some game balls here. Going to let Mike fire away first. Well, this one's pretty easy for me, Price. Brad Roberts, 24 carries, 174 yards against Colorado. He had 12 more yards than the entire Colorado offense was able mm. to muster for the entire game. So he had the Colorado mm. offense plus a nice, healthy first down. 174 yards on 24 rushes. Hey, 24 rushes, that's not Barry Sanders' numbers, okay? 24 rushes is a, is a, is a healthy dose for a game, but it's not a whole lot. So Brad Roberts, again, scoring in the first minute of the game. Kudos to you. Uh, he's he's putting together quite the early season. Brad Roberts gets my game ball, 24 rushes, 174 yards, and a dominant Air Force victory. Steve, fire away, my man. Yeah, and I'm going to stick in Colorado Springs and give my game ball to the entire crowd at Falcon Ooh. Stadium. 33,000 people braving the elements, the crappy weather going on in Colorado Springs and supporting the Falcons. They were the 12th man on both the offensive and the defensive sides of the football. It was a great environment for the Falcons to play in. It made the Buffaloes uncomfortable. And it, you know, they always tell you if you're a fan, you want to be, you, you want to leave that, that event feeling like you helped your team win the game. And I certainly feel that Falcons fans left the stadium in Colorado Springs on Saturday feeling like they helped the Falcons beat the Buffaloes. So my game ball goes to the crowd at Falcon Stadium. 
and they also left too. They also left wet too, right, Steve? Yes, they, but, yeah, but you know what? You're it's a lot, it's a lot better. <laughs> you're a lot happier leaving wet when you've won the game, for crying out loud. Absolutely. <laughs> you get in the car and head home and you feel like you're I mean, you're floating home. You feel like you you went through through the ringer. Forget uh forget being soaked. Um I'm not going to, I can't make it a perfect three for three. I got to go a little bit different this week. I'm going to go with Army senior quarterback Cade Ballard going 11 of 15, 221, trying to keep Army in it with his arm through for one touchdown. This is after last week, guys. Well, I think he had three completions last week, 58 yards. Going into this season, the scene, the 5'9, 200 pound senior from Greenville, Tennessee, had one completion for 58 yards going into the season. Last last Saturday, 11 of 15, 221, he now probably is the reason the Army leads the country in passing efficiency at 252.55, a very distant first place ahead of second place Southern Cal at 212.57. When did you ever think you'd see the day, guys? Army leading the nation in passing, passing efficiency after the second week of the season. I never well, thought I'd see it. Black Knights became a <laughs> run-and-shoot offense, baby. Gotta love it. You got that right, boy. But I think Jeff Muckham would like to have a little bit more balance in that thing. But, yeah, I'm going with Cade Ballard, the Army senior quarterback out of Greenville, Tennessee, with my game ball this week. All right, we got a lot more to do. we got our Travis Manning Foundation honor roll segment where we honor and remember a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. we got some news and notes to pass along to you. Coach being mentioned for the Nebraska opening. Yes, it's happening already. We're only two, three games into the season. We've got coaching changes. And one of our service academy coaches is being mentioned for that opening. We have new kickoff time. We got two games, including a Friday night kickoff this weekend. We're going to tell you all about it when we come back here on Yards and Stripes, your home for service academy football that you can follow on Twitter and Facebook at Yards and Stripes. Give us a follow. We'll be right back here on Yards and Stripes with the Travis Manning Foundation on roll segment. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. All right, we move along here on this episode of Yards and Stripes. You know it's time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment, where we honor and remember a fallen hero, someone who has answered the call and given the ultimate sacrifice. And this week, we're going to remember Captain Mark Tyler Voss from the United States Air Force. He's described as a pilot's pilot. Tyler, who was on his sixth deployment, died on May the 3rd, 2013 in Kyrgyzstan in a crash when his KC-135 aircraft that was part of the 93rd Air Refueling Squadron supporting Operation Enduring Freedom uh, crashed. And he was joined on board by his co-pilot, Captain Victoria Pinckney and Boom Operator Tech Sergeant Herman Mackey III uh, when they went down. And Tyler, who was born December the 16th, 1985 in Bourne, Texas. He went graduated from Bourne High School in 2004 
In preparation for the Air Force Academy, he took advanced classes in high school, participating in the U.S. Reserve Officers Training Corps, and he earned his private pilot's license. He then went on to the United States Air Force Academy and graduated in 2008 with a degree in aeronautical engineering. He was commissioned in the U.S. Air Force as a second lieutenant, and his mom, Marcy, still find ways to honor her son and share his story in Kerrville, Texas, where she resides memory of her son goes wherever she does by the way of a gold star license plate on her vehicle which reads quote shl 77 in honor of his plane she said quote tyler developed a love of flying at an early age as a young child he often rode in the back seat of a small with a small airplane with his dad in quote his two siblings morgan and forrest also both serve in the united states air force and tyler's service and sacrifice were honored by his family during the 2015 Travis Manion Foundation West Virginia Expedition. So we remember Captain Mark Tyler Voss, United States Air Force, who gave the ultimate sacrifice in May of 2013, supporting Operation Enduring Freedom. And as you know, the Travis Manion Foundation is empowering veterans and their families and fallen heroes to develop character in future generations. TMF strives to unite and strengthen communities by training, developing, and highlighting the role models that lead them. They develop programs, training opportunities, and events designed to empower veterans and families of the fallen and then inspire them to pass on their values to the next generation and the community at large. And you can visit Travis Mannion Foundation online at travismannion.org. Right now, 9-11 Heroes runs are going on in communities across the country this month. And you can find a run near you at travismannion.org where you can participate, run, ruck, walk, whatever you like to do to honor a loved one or, or someone you know who is a hero. So many answered the call on 9-11, which we obviously remembered this past weekend. And we remember them and their sacrifice here every single week on the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll. Travis Mannion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Final segment here on Yards and Stripes Episode 3. Appreciate Travis Mannion Foundation for uh, partnering with us once again. Look, go to them online. Look, travismannion.org. They're doing just amazing work in communities across the country. Their 9-11 Heroes Run is going on this month. You can sign up to run, rut, walk, whatever, uh, in a community near you. Just visit them online, travismannion.org. Got some news and notes to pass along that we'll preview our two games. Joined by producer extraordinaire Steve Carney. And then Mike Lovell with Last Word on Sports. You can check out his work online, lastwordonsports.com. I'll let Mike tell you a little bit more about that here in just a few minutes. Navy at East Carolina, a September 24th kickoff, Saturday, 6 p.m. That one's going to be on ESPN Plus, game time announced this week. Brad Roberts, we just got a game ball from Mr. Mike Lovell right there. Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week this week for his outstanding performance against Colorado. And then as Nebraska has now fired Scott Frost, they are looking for a head coach, gentlemen. And one Troy Calhoun is mentioned as a possible replacement. I've seen several national writers mention Troy Calhoun. Pete Thamel was one of the latest I saw mention his name amongst probably a baker's dozen or so uh, earlier today. 
I don't know about you all. I think that Jeff Munkin would be, if you're going to look between the three coaches that we have in our three programs, I know Calhoun's the hot name right now. I still think Jeff Munkin is a bit, would be a better fit at Nebraska. I don't know what you all think. Tell me I'm wrong or tell me you think uh, Troy Calhoun is, would be the guy that Nebraska could not go wrong. Price, I agree with you. I think Jeff Munkin would, would be the better choice. What what Calhoun has done at Air Force is, is really great. What Munkin has done with building the program uh, at Army from what it was in, in a in a area with doesn't have a lot of natural recruiting death, not because there's not great athletes, but just because there's a lot more competition for the great athletes in the high school level. Uh, he's done a tremendous job there. He's done a tremendous job recruiting those same athletes that, that Navy recruits on the, on the Eastern seaboard. He's, he has deep ties in Texas. The other thing about Jeff Munkin is he's got deep ties in the college football community. Of course, his cousin's the offensive coordinator at Georgia. Remember that Jeff Munkin has stated that he's not necessarily tied to bringing the flex bone offense to a power five program. If he gets that job, I think both Jeff Munkin and Troy Calhoun would, would be both be great uh, choices and here's where they're at. If you're if you're Jeff Munkin or you're Troy Calhoun, the decision you have is to continue with your niche job, either at Air Force or Army, and continue to get two or three million dollars a year, eight, nine, ten wins, a late December bowl, or do you spread your wings and do you say, hey, you know what? You know, I've only got one life. I've only got one career. Let's see if I can do this at a Power Five program. I got it. Nebraska doesn't have a lot of recruiting, you know, natural recruiting in that area. They're not who they once were, but that's still a brand name in college football. That's still somewhere a guy could go rebuild the program and, you know, make a name for himself amongst college football coaches. Price, I agree with you. I think Jeff Munkin's probably the better choice if I'm Trev Alberts, but I think either one of them would be a good selection. You know, we went through this several years ago with Ken Niamatololo when BYU, mm-hmm. when Bronco Mildenhall left BYU. A lot of people thought uh, Niamatololo was going to be the first choice for yep. BYU. He, potentially, he may have been. and may have turned it down to stay at Navy. You never know. But that's the decision that all three of these coaches have to face. Do I stay where I'm at, a very niche, specialized coaching job, or do I try to go to the big time and kind of prove myself in my profession? I think Trev Alberts will, will make some phone calls to some big names out there. Not sure how much, how many phone calls he's going to get back. It would not be uh, – he, he should call both Calhoun and Munkin because both are great coaches. Uh, it's really up to them uh, uh, on whether they want to make that change. And, and really, Price, uh, on, on this side, I certainly think that, you know, if you're going to make a call – uh, to Coach Monkin or, or to Troy Calhoun, uh, you still have to understand that your fan base, even though they've, even though Coach Monkin said, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, beholden to the flexbone offense and, yeah. and and moving forward. But if if you're Nebraska and you're looking at at those guys, you know, you you still have to think, you know, that's the first thing that's going to come up is you're taking a guy from a service academy that is run an option offense and you're bringing it to, to Nebraska, you know, Tommy Frazier isn't walking through that door uh, in Lincoln, unfortunately, uh, because if he was, I, I think Nebraska would be okay. The, the, the other way that they can go is they could actually go after some of the uh, smaller uh, coaches. And, and there's a couple of names out there that I, that I certainly think that would love to be able to have that jump because they're going from making, 
you know, six or eight hundred thousand dollars a season where they are to making the four or five million dollars that Nebraska is going to pay. Jamie Chadwell at, yeah. at Coastal Carolina is, is a guy that you certainly could look at. Uh, I would look at, uh, of course, Marshall and, and Troy. You know, you look at the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt is been the breeding ground of of these coaches and they're, they're playing some really good football and I could see Nebraska going out uh, and Jamie Chadwell is the, the guy that, that comes to mind first and foremost for me, coastal yeah. Carolina. It's not, it's not a school that you would expect. There's going to be a lot of long-term success and, and somebody is going to pluck him out of the, out of Shantia clear heaven and, and take him somewhere. If I'm Trev Alberts, I don't, I think that's the guy that I would probably want and plus, you're looking at a guy who's in his mid 40s. Uh, you know, that's a guy yeah. that you could build around for a significant period of time. Chadwell's uh, yeah. offense, Chadwell's offense is great for a program like Nebraska. It's very versatile. It, it you can tailor it to the talent you have on your team. It's not it's not one dimensional. Uh, it, even with uh, as much as that quarterback has done, almost uh, in the running to set an NCAA record for completion percentage, it's still a run-first offense. So, I, I mean, I agree with Steve that that Chadwell is probably the 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 most likely name. Uh, my point is, if you're Trev Alberts, you've got to at least make the call to Jeff Munkin yeah, based yeah. on what he's done at Army, that, the, just that, to see big, if he's interested. The big issue is that if you wait too long on Chadwell, there are going to be other spots that will open that may be more enticing. For Chadwell, there might be other Power Five positions that that come open, and, and now all of a sudden, it's do I really want to go to Lincoln? And so yeah. to make that decision certainly because he's been the hot G five name for two years now. I mean, this is he. This is not his first season as on the on the coaching board. Yeah, I met Jamie Chadwell too, and he's awesome. I mean, he's just an awesome guy to, to talk to. Loves ball. I know I can see why the guys and the players relate to him so well. I mean, of the names I saw Pete Thamel mention, I mean, Matt Campbell, Mark Stoops, Dave Aranda. There's no way any of those three in my book go because those are all. It's a step down, quite frankly, from what they've done and where they're at. Um, I think besides, if it's not Ch Jamie Chadwell or you can't get say Munkin or, or Troy Calhoun. The other guy, and you could probably you might clump this one in with the, the names I just said that are places that would be a step down. I, th I think P.J. Fleck in Nebraska would be awesome. I don't think he would leave Minnesota to go to, to Nebraska, but I think Fleck, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a, he lives in Omaha and he's a, you know, he's in grad school at uh, Nebraska. He's a longtime writer out there uh, at the Omaha World Herald. I told him on Saturday night, as soon as they got finished losing to Georgia Southern, I said, dude, I would love to see y'all pick up the phone and see row the boat at Nebraska. I think that would be fun. But I'm going back to a lot of things that Mike said. Nebraska has been generationally bad. And when you're genera generationally bad, um, kids don't remember. They, I mean, they certainly don't remember the Tommy Frazier days. Um, I mean, they fired Frank Solich when he went nine and three that year. Um, and the day they decided to join the Big Ten to get paid was the day it all ended. And, you know, they can't sell kids on in down in Texas where they, you know, perennially would go to that you get to come home and play a couple times a year, whether it be Texas Tech uh, against uh, University of Texas. You can't do that anymore. And the bordering states around Nebraska, name one that produces any semblance of talent. There are none. And so you've got to go into all these other places and fight other programs for other kids. And I just don't see Nebraska ever going back. I know, Steve, you mentioned a household brand name. I just don't think they're the, ever going to be what Nebraska once was. I think those days are gone. Yeah. Price to your point, we 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 let off the the broadcast talking about 9/11. Steve made the great point of <laughs> these players today weren't alive when 9/11 yep. happened. Yep. 
Well, Nebraska was good last before 9-11 happened. The players today don't remember Tommy Frazier. They don't remember that destruction they put on Florida for the national championship. They don't, they don't remember the destruction they put on Peyton Manning in Tennessee in the national championship the year before that, uh, you know, so they, they don't, they don't, unlike the three of us, they don't remember when Nebraska was really good. That Tommy Frazier team at his senior year uh, that, that beat down, they put it on Florida for the national championship. That might be the best college football team uh, you know yep. I've ever seen. They were really good. I know USC and Miami would, would beg to differ on me. Uh, beg to differ with me on that but that was a that was a truly dominant team but the point is kids these days don't remember that so, no. so that's a great point about that that brand maybe being a little bit more weighted for us than it is for the kids uh, being recruited to play and, and steve real quick before we move on and get ready to preview these games i i go back i don't remember what year it was you know it was only a couple of years ago when they hired scott frost but i remember saying on this podcast here if i'm nebraska the first call i would make with jeff was jeff munkin and that was when they hired scott frost last time i thought munkin was a guy they should have immediately called if not hired then but what well, do you, i know you you look at you look at uh, where scott frost was ucf the, the sure. undefeated season you know and and he, you know being his alma mater you would ex, you would expect that that would be the that would be the tipping point i bet they were probably pretty close and, and but the fact that frost is a Nebraska guy and and quarterback there? I you know that that's that's gonna that's gonna tilt tilt the scales, especially in a place like Lincoln, Mike. Yeah, the, the, but the larger point here isn't necessarily Calhoun or Munkin getting a call from Nebraska. The larger point is this ain't going to be the last college coach that gets fired from a place like Nebraska, potentially yeah. Auburn, or even maybe maybe even a program that doesn't have quite that name recognition, Indiana, Illinois, Virginia, yeah. someplace like that. USF. You know, this isn't going to be the last – <laughs> yeah, USF, that's a great point. Uh, but, but this isn't going to be – Frost isn't going to be the last coach fired this season. You, you got to think that at some point Calhoun and or Munkin are going to have to make that decision of whether or not to pick up the phone and answer somebody's call. Uh, Steve, to your point, you get one of these teams that could be a top tier G5 like USF. They've got to make that call because here's the bottom line. What Calhoun and Munkin have done in Army and Air Force, they've pretty much maxed out their opportunity there. Look, the bottom line is Army and Air Force, as much as we love these programs, they're not going to the CFP. Even no. if they go 12 and 0, they're just not. And they're, they're you know, their uh, Air Force has a chance to to win a conference title. Army's not going to win a conference title. But you, you got to think that they've probably maxed out what those programs can do. Ho- hopefully not, but but in reality, they've probably maxed out what those programs to, can do. So the decision, they're going to have to make that decision at some point or another because somebody somebody's going to call both of those coaches because they're both really good college football coaches. Let's go ahead and pivot, look ahead to this weekend's game. And Friday night, 8 p.m. on the CBS Sports Network, Air Force at Wyoming. And as we were talking about Troy Calhoun, um, going up against a guy who I think is one of the finest coaches in college football. He's not going to get the kind of cachet uh, because he's at Wyoming. But Craig Bowl, he's got the Cowboys 2-1. and one. If anybody knows uh, college football, like I know you guys do, you know hit Craig Bowl's pedigree from when he was at the at 1AA FCS level. Um, Cowboys now, after losing to Illinois in week zero or, you know, early in the season, 38 to six, they've won two in a row. Um, but Air Force, they're going to take the nation's third longest active winning streak, six games going back the last season. They're going to take that into Laramie, a war memorial stadium. Air Force has won the last two games uh, going up against 
Wyoming, but their last win in Laramie was back in 2012 when they scored a 28 to 27 win. Air Force is giving. I'm a little bit surprised, guys. The line is this high. They're giving 17 points. I don't know about you all. I think this is definitely going to be within 17 points. I think Wyoming is going to cover. I don't think Wyoming is going to win it, but I don't think they're going to get blown out and run off the field at home and what will be the Mountain West opener for both teams. I, I don't know, Bryce. I, I think Air Force is a really good team. I, I think really what the deciding factor is going to be is how Air Force's secondary stands up against a Wyoming uh, pa- passing attack. Well, I think Wyoming uh, it passes a little bit more. They, they rely a little bit more on the air attack than they do the ground attack. Air Force hasn't really faced that. Uh, Colorado would have liked to have passed more, but the weather uh, prevented Colorado from throwing the ball as much as they wanted. So it's really going to be, you know, I think this week's uh, Air Force's running attack will not have an issue with Wyoming. They're going to put up points. Uh, Illinois put up 38 against Wyoming, and let's face it, Quite frankly, Air Force is probably better than Illinois, uh, but it's it's really going to be how well their secondary does. I I, I would not, uh, I, I may not take the, I may not take Air Force, but I certainly wouldn't bet the, uh, I was certainly wouldn't bet for Wyoming either. Yeah, and, Col- and Tulsa put up thirty seven points on Wyoming uh, in, in at Laramie. So uh, I I personally think that you know one thing that that Air Force is going to have to do is they've got to be able to put a collar on Titus Swin. The Cowboys running back is averaging five yards a carry. And if he gets, and if he's, if he's averaging five yards a carry, it's going to be tough for the Falcons defense to get off the field. I think that he will for a period of time, but I think that also uh, air Force is is going to come out with a, with another victory uh, and they go to three and oh, I, I tend to agree that it's probably going to be inside that 17 number. That's a little much. All right, guys, army this Saturday playing host to Villanova two and O. Are the Wildcats coming to Mikey Stadium and Army looking for that first win? 0-2, this is going to be a 12 p.m. kickoff on the CBS Sports Network. 1-AA FCS opponent. I haven't seen a line on this. I'm not sure if you guys have seen something offshore. Um, Number five, Villanova. They're ranked number five in the latest FCS coaches poll. This is not a bad football team. This is a team that can come in and can score some points. They get a 45-7 win over Lehigh in their opener, and then they go to Long Island and win 28-21 last weekend. Um, You know, Connor Watkins, their quarterback, he can't throw four interceptions like he did last Saturday in the win over LIU. They've got a couple senior running backs. But another thing about this team is they've been pretty good away from home. They, you know, obviously went up to New York last week and and won. Uh, It's going to be obviously a much bigger challenge playing Army, but five and one away from home the last two seasons and having won 13 of their last 17 on the road going back to 2019 under head coach Mike Ferrante. This is a game, if if people look and see a close game in the third quarter, I wouldn't be surprised because Villanova's good. I just think Army's going to take care of business on Saturday and get that first win, guys. It it is interesting, and and looking at some of the offshore books, I'm seeing 16 uh, right Mm -hmm. now uh, is what you would have to lay to take Army. It it is amazing to think that Army's number against a one FCS team is smaller than Air Force's number against the Mountain (laughs) West Conference rival. So that, that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you, uh, you know, Villanova, uh, not known for being a, a football powerhouse, but they are a, a pretty good division one FCS squad. I, I mm-hmm. think that they do, uh, they do tend to give uh, teams a, a little bit uh, and especially teams like army will have hassle, uh, especially in the secondary, if they're, 
not able to get pressure. Again, it's all about getting pressure on quarterbacks when you're when yeah. you're a service academy. But and if they can do that, I think they're in they'll be in good shape. Uh, I think they do win this. I actually do think they cover as well. So uh, I I would definitely go Army in this one. I agree with Steve. I think Army covers. Interesting, they 16 point spread, but the but the money line for Army is minus 770 plus 550 for Villanova. So that's Vegas telling you that they're they're trying to get a little bit of action on that game. Uh, you know, I'll leave I'll leave the betters to to figure that one out. I, I think Army refocuses this week. I think there was a lot of pressure going in Coastal Carolina. I think there was a lot of pressure with UTSA coming in. Army really Army knew they had to for them to get where they wanted to go this year. They had to uh, win at least one of those two games. Uh, so, so they're past that. I think they go back. They stay at home this week. They they get a chance to focus on football. I, I guarantee you that Munkin's practicing the fundamentals this week. All they're going to do is hand off and tackle and run. That's all they're going to do. They're not going to install any new plays. They're not going to uh, go through any uh, advanced uh, drills. They're focusing on handing the ball off, making the right pitch decision, and tackling and not fumbling. That's all they're doing this week. I guarantee it. So I think Army comes out. I think Army comes out a little bit upset uh, at themselves mostly. I think they take that out on Villanova. Villanova is a good team, but Villanova is still an FCS team. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see a repeat of Navy Delaware here. I think Army comes out. I think they hit hard. I think they unleash their defense, and I think they just pound the rock. Uh, I think they pound the fullback attack straight, straight in the middle all game. Uh, I like Army more i like uh, i like army uh even against the spread uh 21 24 points against villanova yeah i think Army's going to be hungry they're going to come out mad they want that first win and i think they're going to play like it all right before we get out of here guys appreciate steve carney mike lovell uh joining me and doing yeoman's work again this week don't forget we're scheduled to have army head coach jeff munkin next week fingers crossed everything goes according to plan there you know we're the part of the college gridiron coast to coast podcast network you can go listen to an array of podcasts if service academy you want more of this look we got all kinds of different podcasts that we can give you on the college gridiron coast to coast podcast network this week whether it's pac 12 whether it's sec we got you covered just go visit us wherever you listen to your podcast apple Podcasts, spotify Check us out online, search Yards and Stripes, Coast to Coast Gridiron. You can find an array of podcasts, college football oriented, that will get you and keep your mouth wet and watered for the rest of this season, guys. Don't forget, Jeb Munkin next week. We got two games, Army hosting Villanova, Air Force going to Wyoming on Friday night. We'll do it again next week here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football.